This is the Byron Bledsoe Podcast, Senior Pastor of C3 Church in Orlando, Florida. Thank you so much for checking out today's message. We hope this word encourages you and inspires you. Let's jump into the message. If you're here today and it's your first time with us at C3, you've joined us as we're walking through a series called The Lost Art. We're walking through the book of James. James was the half-brother of Jesus. And the Word of God, we believe, this won't surprise you, we believe the Bible is fully the Word of God, inspired by God. He wrote it through human authors and personalities, but it's fully inspired, divinely, the Word of God. And the lost art is this. A lot of us know what we believe, but we're not sure how to live it. The lost art is not having faith, it's living our faith. What does it look like on Tuesday? What does it look like in an argument? How does it benefit a marriage? How does it enhance your parenting? To to not just believe something, but actually live what you believe. It's also important because at some point, your life, my life, will face a variety of challenges, some of them very difficult. And when you hit those moments in life, it's not enough to know what you believe. You need to know why you believe it. And so as we roll through this book, today we're wrapping up chapter one, and it's very pointed, very simple, but often not not applied. I was five years old, first day of kindergarten. Never been to that school before. Kindergarten's where you start. Miss Gilmore's class, and I grew up in Texas, and back in the day, Uh, they made you have nap time in kindergarten. Now, what's crazy is it was half-day kindergarten. I mean, we're leaving at noon anyway. Do we need to take a nap? I was not big on naps as a kid. I I, I never brought that into my lifestyle. I hated naps. And so Miss Gilmore said, it's nap time. You're going to put your head on the desk, close your eyes, be quiet for like 15 minutes. And I decided, no. And so I, I wanted to play Cowboys and Indians. And so I had another kid. I got him get on all fours. I got on his back, rode him like a horse, and rode around the circle popping kids, and the teacher didn't appreciate that, and so she said, I want you to go to the principal's office. So first day of school, kindergarten, I walked outside the door, shut her door, and I sat down on the curb because I'd never, I'd never been to school. I had no idea where the principal's office was. So in my mind, I thought, I'll sit here for a few, then I'll walk back in this class and tell her we had a great conversation, and everything's fine. Well, she opened the door and saw me sitting there and called me into the classroom and said, I thought I told you to go to the principal's office. I said, you did, but I have no idea where it is. And she said, okay, I'll take care of it. Now, this was back in the day, and so she paddled me in front of the entire class, which I don't think I've ever gotten over. But I never did that again. I never did it again. But here's the reality. I, have, I, I don't know about you. I've always had this above average ability to know what I'm supposed to do, it's quiet time, take a nap, and not do it. Is that just me or you like it? Are there things in your life that you know what you should be doing, but you don't? Or you know some things you shouldn't be doing, but you do it anyway? It's interesting, James chapter 1, verse 22. Do not merely listen to the word of God and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away immediately forgetting what he looks like. 
It'd be like this morning before you came to church. Everybody in this room, two of you, I'm not sure, but most everybody, you looked in the mirror before you came. And you, when you looked in the mirror, you didn't just look in the mirror and then walk out the door and come to C3. No. What we do when we look in the mirror, there's the first glance and then there's the deeper look. There's the glance where overall you make sure everything's okay, but then you look more intently at those things that you don't like about you and what you can do to fix those, change those, and you spend some time in front of the mirror working on yourself. And for that, we're all grateful. But nobody looks at a mirror and then just walks out the door. And he's saying, hey, when, when, when you just listen to the Word of God and don't do anything with what you hear, it's like you looked into something that could benefit you and walked away without changing a thing. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they've heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. They will be blessed. Do you know anybody that you would say, hey, that, that person, the guy that I work with, the lady across the street, the friend in that class. Do you, do you know anybody that you feel like they're just lucky? Have you ever wanted to be lucky? Now, before you send me an email saying, this is church, we don't believe in luck, we believe people are blessed. I get it, but the reality is outside of church, we don't use the word blessed very much. When I talk about being lucky, I mean being blessed by God because we know the Bible says every good thing comes from God. How do you set your life up where you're fortunate, you're lucky, you're blessed? Because right here, God says, they will be blessed. Not maybe, not possibly, not, not it depends on what area they live in or how much income they have. No, they will be blessed in what they do. Now, we know Scripture tells us faith comes by hearing the Word of God, but hearing is different than listening. Sometimes we listen, but we don't change anything. Oh, I'm listening. I'm listening. Have you ever had a conversation with your kids and you're like, are you listening? Yeah, I'm listening. But you know nobody's home. They're, they're, they're not listening. They're, they're listening, but they're not hearing. If you're listening, but you're not doing, you're not hearing. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. And you find this pattern not only in James, but throughout Scripture. Over and over again, God reminds us that you have the ability, I have the ability to deceive ourselves. We have the ability to excuse away or rationalize our way into whatever we want to do in life. And so there's this continual warning. You, you can deceive yourself. Don't, don't buy into the lie that you're buying into. And it's so clear. How do we miss? Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. How do we miss that? I think sometimes we miss it. Because in moments of crisis, those are the moments we go to the Word of God. And when we do, we often read the Bible for information, not transformation. We want God's two steps to get me to where I want to be in this area of life. But, but come inside me and the Spirit of God, through the Word of God, change my life, transform me, change my thinking, change my behavior, change my patterns. No, 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 no. I, I just want the two steps to get me where I want to be. We're looking for information when God is offering transformation. And James says that the Bible is like a mirror. It, it reveals who we are. As you read the Bible, as I read the Bible, it reads us. And there are two ways we approach the Bible. 
We approach the Bible as either a mirror or binoculars. And when we're viewing the Bible through binoculars, we see everything very clearly except for ourselves. There are people that read things in the Bible and they think, you're not doing it right. You don't have this right. Oh, you're not where you need to be. There are people that read the Bible and think about all the ways it applies to everybody except themselves. And people who do that, it leads to pride and legalism and hypocrisy. It has always been, from the beginning of time, the practice of highly religious people. Even the religious leaders in Jesus' day, they quoted Scripture as a justification to murder Jesus. They were deceived. You can be highly religious, faithfully religious, and fully deceived. When you approach the Word of God for some quick fix to a problem you're in that's going to give you information rather than transformation, or when you look at the Word of God as something that applies to everybody else and you ignore what's actually in the mirror. The American Bible Society did a vast study, thousands of people, and they come up, came up with something they call the rule of four. I've mentioned this once before, I think. But in this study, what they discovered was if you read the Bible, if you spend a little bit of time each day reading the Bible, one to three days a week, between one and three days a week, there's not really much impact on your emotional health, your mental health, your spiritual life, or your quality of life. But what was interesting is they discovered that once you move into four days a week, all the data improves. There is then a profound change in emotional and mental health, quality of relationships, addictions being overcome, spiritual confidence, spiritual growth. What that means is when we spend a majority of the week giving a little bit of time each day, spending it in the Word of God, our week changes. And when I'm talking about spending time in the Word of God, I'm not talking about getting up at 3.30 a.m. before God wakes up to read some Bible. I'm not, he's always awake, I know that. I'm not talking about hours and hours and hours. I'm talking about start with a few minutes a day. Download the YouVersion app, Y-O-U version. It's a free app, incredible app, has all the different translations, transliterations, paraphrases, has daily Bible reading plans, a few minutes a day. And this study revealed that once God's Word becomes a majority of your week, at least four days a week, major change takes place in the areas that you care about the most. Major change takes place in the areas you've been trying to change but can't. Think about where God is taking us through the book of James. Chapter 1, we're wrapping up. But in this chapter, he, he reveals very, very quickly, hey, you're going to have some trials in life. Consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds. There are going to be some overwhelming days. There are going to be some challenges you face, some difficult things. There are going to be seasons in life where you have more questions than answers. There are going to be times where when you thought it was the right thing to do, it blows up in your face. And in those moments... We looked at it the last couple of weeks. You're going to face temptation. And the temptation increases. The more pressure we're under, the more we're tempted to bounce on our faith. The more we're tempted to give in to what we think is best rather than paying attention to what God says is best. And because you're going to face trials and I'm going to face trials, because you're going to be tempted and I'm going to be tempted, we need more of God's word in us. We know that when you work hard, and you burn more calories. You need to be fully nourished to do what you need to do. Well, the same thing is true for your soul. The, the real you, the more intense the trial is, the more overwhelming life is, 
the more challenging what you're facing is. You need more nourishment to have the spiritual energy. And it is the spiritual you, the real you, that feeds the emotional health, mental health, physical health. It all begins with the spirit. Your spirit's going to be around long after your body's gone. And so there are two groups of people when it comes to the Bible and needing to read the Bible. Some of you, you need more Bible. You need to spend at least four days a week, ideally every day. It's helpful every day. I mean, what if I said, hey, you need to eat at least four days a week? And you'd be like, I'm eating seven days a week. The reality is you need to feed your soul. You have a responsibility. And some of you are living with starved souls, angry with God because of what you feel like he's not doing when he's already laid everything out about how to live the life he created you to live. You're just not eating. Some of you, you, you need more Bible. You need to create a new pattern that's better than a habit in your life, a new way of thinking where you go to the Word of God and you spend a little bit of time each day because the Bible says that the Word of God will transform your mind. It will renew your mind and change your thinking, bring you in agreement with what God thinks about life. And crazy thing about it, he's never been wrong. And he knows how to live life the best. Life was his idea. Some of you need more Bible. Some of you, you don't need more Bible. You need to obey the Bible you know, but you're ignoring. Some of you, you don't need another Bible study. You need to just start applying what you know that you've been not applying. Over the years, as a pastor, I'm invited often into moments of crisis. When people's lives have fallen apart, tragedy strikes, and the pain is indescribable that people feel. So they call their pastor. Or sometimes we have a unique way as human beings of blowing up our own lives with our choices. And then as the consequences begin to set in, oh my gosh, I need help. Over the years, I've had a front row seat to a lot of situations and circumstances in life. And I will tell you that often, not all the time, but often, the greatest issues you face in your life and the moments of deepest, deepest struggle are not because you don't know what to do. Often the greatest struggles in life are because you're not doing what the Bible says to do in that area of your life. We ignore the Word of God, and then we blame God. We ignore what God says about what a healthy marriage should look like what healthy, healthy friendships should, should look like. We ignore what the Bible says about how to navigate our financial life. We, we ignore all that. Then we're mad at God because life gets difficult in those areas. You will not, please hear me, you will not be blessed by God because of what you hear today. Like there's, there's no attendance chart in heaven where God's going, oh, they're there today. Wow, Mother's Day, that's impressive. Like that, that's not happening. You don't get blessed because you show up. That's not how this works. You're blessed by God when you do something about what the Word of God says. You're not blessed because you came. You're blessed when you take what you hear from the Word of God and you apply it to your life. And by the way, by the way, by the way, let me just say this right now. Please don't take anything I say at face value. I'm just a guy. The Bible says that you have the responsibility in your life to go to the Word of God for yourself and make sure that what I'm saying is truth. Now, I'm going to do my best to bring you what I believe is biblical truth because one day I'm going to stand before God and answer for everything I said. 
And that scares the shucky darn out of me. But, but apart from that, you have a responsibility. I'm just a guy. You have to own your own spiritual growth. I'm not responsible for it to the level you are. You've got to decide in your life, I'm going to spend some time in the Word of God. I'm going to glean from the Word of God. I'm going to look at these verses and ask God to speak to me. So every Sunday, every Sunday when you hear a message, I want to encourage you to ask a simple question. What is God telling me to do? Don't, don't, I hope, I hope my husband's listening. I hope my kids are listening. I hope my parents are, it's not binoculars. It's a mirror. What is God telling me to do with what I'm hearing right now? The gospel of Luke chapter 11 says this, blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. It's not enough just to hear it. It's not enough just to show up. It's not enough to, man, I was in church three Sundays out of four this month. That's awesome. You set yourself up for what God could plant into your life, but you got to water it. You, you've got to feed and add to what God is doing in your life. The gym membership is helpful only if you go to the gym. The vitamins are beneficial only if you take the vitamins. Seat belts will not protect you just because they're in the car. You have to utilize them and put them on for them to protect you. And the Word of God will transform and elevate your life and your relationships when you obey it and not a moment before. See, God doesn't just bless people. God blesses people who obey Him. And there is, there is a unique cycle of blessing we find in these verses. It's not steps to blessing because once you get to the last step, you haven't arrived. It's a cycle because in your lifetime and mine, you will live through this cycle over and over and over again in different areas of your life. The cycle of blessing actually begins in verse 21. It's the verse we ended with last week. Verse 21, notice, Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Now, remember last week, Moral filth is connected to what James is talking about, the Spirit of God through James, when it comes to us living with anger in our lives. And he connects the anger that's in us to a moral filth that's created in us and impacts how we damage our relationships and our, our, the way we view other people, the way we view God, the way we view ourselves, and the moral filth it brings into our lives when we carry anger around. But we see right here, here's the cycle of blessing, verse 21. The first one is clean out the junk. You got some junk in your trunk. I don't care who you are. Clean out the junk. And you don't even have to know all the Word of God to know this. Listen, there, there is a moral code written on your heart by God. You don't have to be a Christ follower or know the Bible to know you shouldn't kill anybody. You don't have to know the Bible to know you shouldn't steal. You don't have to know the Bible to know you shouldn't lie. Like, you, you already know there's some areas of your life. You, you don't have to know a lot of Bible. There are already some areas in your life where you know you've got some junk. You've got some patterns and some habits, and it can be different for you than it is for you and different for you than it is for you. There, there are some things in your life, you, you, you know it's there. If you want to be blessed, if you want to put yourself in a blessable place or become more lucky or fortunate, the cycle of blessing is right here. First step, clean out the junk. You know what to address. The second step is this. After you clean out the junk, take in God's word. Verse 21 says, humbly receive God's word. How do I do that? It's interesting to me. God always says what he means and means what he says. So why did he not just say, hey, accept the word planted in you? Why did he put the word humbly in that verse? Humbly accept the word planted in you. How do you take in God's word 
humbly? Well, you have to ask a question. What happens when the Bible and I disagree? To take in God's word humbly, the word planted in us, is to recognize there are going to be times, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand because you're in church and it'll create tension and awkwardness and you won't know what to do, but I wonder, are there verses in the Bible that you think, I don't agree with that? I don't like that. That's uncomfortable. Like, pray for your enemies? I want to punch them in the throat. Pray for my enemies? Forgive people? I mean, doesn't it make sense to you that some people, it doesn't feel like they deserve being forgiven? And so there are places in Scripture where God says something and lays something out, and I disagree. I don't like it. To humbly accept God's Word is to recognize in the moments that I don't agree with what God says, He's God and I'm not. In those moments, okay, God, I don't like this. I don't understand this. It's not how I would have done it, but I recognize I'm not God. You are. So I'm asking your spirit to help me transform my life in this area, change my thinking. I want to be in agreement with you, and I want to obey what you say in your word. You're not really taking in God's word and allowing it to transform your life if you only apply the things you agree with. It's those, those problem areas that you've ignored because you disagree with them, that will over time create the greatest problems in your life. Because God lays this out out of his love for us and the life that he knows you could be living. And in our stubbornness and short-sightedness, we, we think, that was written thousands of years ago. It's 2023. Nobody's doing that. God, I mean, that, that, was, that was for that time and those people, not, not for us. I mean, in my circumstances, yeah, most people should do that. But for me and what I'm dealing with, even God would understand why I'm not going to do that. Every single time you think like that, you lose in life. The cycle of blessing, clean out the junk, take in God's word. And number three, do what it says. Do, why do we have such a problem doing what it says? The teacher says you need to study for this exam and we ignore it. The doctor says you need to spend some time in the gym and lose some weight and we ignore it. We are masters at ignoring and procrastinating and excusing away what could be happening in our lives that would actually elevate our lives. And nothing is more precious or more powerful than the Word of God and the Spirit of God through James is just saying, hey, do this stuff. This isn't just something to read and feel a little bit guilty about the fact that you're not. This isn't just something to glance over and decide whether or not. I mean, you and I don't get to be judge and jury with the Word of God. We like it or we don't. We vote for it or we vote against it. That's not how this works. Your responsibility, if you are a Christ follower, is to do what it says. And it's part of the cycle of blessing. It's counterintuitive. There'll be times I have to do things that I don't like, but, but when I clean out the junk, take in God's word, and do what it says, fourth part of the cycle, the blessing of God comes. And in that area of life, I began to be more blessed than I ever was. But then there's going to be another area of life where I have to apply this same cycle. There's some junk in my life in this particular area. I've got to get it out, take in God's word, do what it says, and then he blesses. Then there's another area. There's some things there that don't please God. I've got to get that junk out, take in the word of God in that area, humbly accept it, even if I don't agree, do what it says, and then the blessing comes. And over and over again in life, wherever you want to be blessed in your life, wherever you want to be blessed, you apply this cycle. 
and you will be blessed. And it seems simple. Simple to hear, simple to process, harder to do. But just because it's simple doesn't mean it's untrue. In a marriage, if a husband and wife do what the Word of God says, did you know there is a 100% success rate in that marriage? In your finances, if you do what the Word of God says, Christ follower, put Jesus first financially, the first 10% belongs to the local church, you live on the rest of it, you, you put yourself in a blessable place at that point. You can live far better on 90% of your income with God's blessing than 100% of your income without God's blessing. Do what it says. And when you do that, you are 100% blessable and 100% success rate in your finances. If you're a parent, when it comes to the Word of God, do what it says in parenting and you have a 100% chance that you will be a great parent and set your kids up for a life of significance and a blessed life. In your friendships, if you do what the Word of God says when it comes to your friendships, there is a 100% chance that you'll have fulfilling and meaningful life-giving friendships in your life. Not every one of them, but more than you would have had if you don't do this. And in your faith, in my faith, if we obey God's Word, if we, if we do what it says, it guarantees that your faith will soar in a world where the norm is emaciated faith, weak faith. God's way, always, always, even when I disagree with it, always works. And God has a pattern of blessing those who seek his way and live his way. And, and then verse 26, those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues. <laughs> this verse could have been a series by itself, but those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues, deceive themselves. There it is again, our unique ability to convince, I can convince me that what I'm doing is right and God's wrong. And their religion is worthless. Did you know there was an occasion in Isaiah chapter 1 in the Old Testament where God's people were coming together for a worship service? It was 800 BC, and they were there singing all the right songs, offering all the right sacrifices, burning all the right incense, going through all the order of service and the emotions of it perfectly. And God says in Isaiah chapter 1, he looks out of the portal of heaven, down at his people in worship, and he says, I don't want it. What you're doing is worthless, and I won't even hear your prayers. What, what hope do we have if God won't hear our prayers? Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Hey, if you don't control your tongue, if I don't control my tongue, we won't experience our faith. See, your, your faith, my faith, our spiritual commitments if they don't result in two specific things, it is pointless and worthless. If your faith and my faith, if they don't result in two specific things, you attend church every week, two, three times a month, but these two things don't become evident in your life, you're wasting your time. The first one is this, does your faith help others? It's what he says in this verse, to look after orphans and widows in their distress. 
Does it help others? So let me ask you this. Who is your faith, your personal faith, who is it helping? In how you forgive, in how you treat difficult people, in the words that you speak, is your faith helping anyone? So many of you are awesome at this. And it's one of the reasons I love C3 so much. Because your faith is helping others. Last month, paying off $250,000 of medical debt for 89 families. That's your faith in action. Last month, paying for and packaging over 10,000 meals for people in need right here in Central Florida. That is your faith. and Your faith is helping others. Does your faith help others? And the second specific thing that's going to be there, if it's not, you're wasting your time, is, is your faith growing your holiness? Now, that word holy is intimidating. It biblically means purity in the sight of God. And over 12 times in the Bible, sin is referred to as a stain. Sin, we don't like the word, but according to God's word, sin is anything in my life, any thought that I have, words that I say, or actions I'm involved in that are displeasing to a holy God. That's sin. Sin is also any thought that I have, would have or words I would have or actions I would do that God would want me to be involved in, but I don't. That's also sin. And over 12 times, the Bible refers to sin as a stain. Now, those of you that are parents, especially moms on Mother's Day, you're the experts at this. I didn't know this until Angie taught me. But if, if your child is wearing a white T-shirt and they get a stain in that white T-shirt, you want to get it out, but you want to get it out quickly. Because the longer it's there, the more deeply it sets in. There are some things you've struggled with because you've let it set in. You didn't get the junk out. And the longer you wait, the harder it will be. Notice verse 27. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to, this is important, keep oneself from being polluted by the world. It's interesting to me that he says keep oneself, not make oneself. There's a big difference in making yourself clean and keeping yourself clean. Because the reality is, you can't and I can't make ourselves clean. That took Jesus. He's the only one that could do that. When he died on the cross and shed his blood for you and for me and defeated death getting up three days later, once and for all, he defeated sin and he took care of my sin. He made us. If you're a follower of Christ, you've been made clean by Jesus. Our responsibility is to now do what the word of God says, relying on God's spirit, and that keeps us clean. See, when Jesus died for you, he not only forgave you, of your sin, but he cleansed you. And on the cross, he took your stain and my stain. Corinthians tells us that Jesus took our sin and he gave us his righteousness. So did you know, if you're a follower of Christ, not only have your sins been forgiven, but you're seen as pure and clean in the sight of God. Not because of you, for me, not because of me, but because there was an exchange that took place. Jesus took our sin and gave us his righteousness. So if you're a follower of Christ, you need to know who you used to be is who you are. It's not who you are. And what you used to do, you don't have to do. You're a follower of Jesus. You are forgiven and cleansed by God. 
You're a child of the king. You're a part of God's family. But some of you, you're a Christ follower, but you feel stuck. It's hard for you. It's hard for you to believe you've been forgiven. It's impossible for you to believe you've been cleansed. Because you know you. But when I listen to the word of God and obey it, and I bring it into my life, part of what begins to happen is my faith begins to grow, and I begin to understand this whole faith thing. I can't do it without Jesus. Living a life as a follower of Christ, I can't do it without the Spirit of God in my life. And I begin to recognize, wait a minute. God, because He's God, has chosen to forgive me and cleanse me. You know what that means? You can live a lot freer than you're living. Now, that's, that's not a license to just do whatever I want to do. That, that's cheapening and mocking and spitting in the face of the death of Christ on a cross. It just means that God understands and knows you can't be perfect and neither can I. This is not about perfection. It's about position. And your position is you have been forgiven and cleansed by a God who says, I love you and I want you no matter what. And he took our sin and gave us his righteousness. Now, what are we going to do with that? You can spend a lifetime hearing and never doing. And if you do, God says it's worthless. Worthless. Worthless means it has no value. It has no meaning. It's of no benefit whatsoever. Or I can step into that cycle of blessing and clean out the junk and take in God's word humbly, even when I disagree, and do what it says and live blessed. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, I thank you for the truth of your word. The truth, ultimate truth, the only truth, the only thing that truth is based in. Your word, which has stood for all time. Our authority for everything in life. God, I pray this morning for people in this room that are Christ followers. But in some area or areas of life, they've ignored applying your word to those areas. I pray this week, God, I pray this week, each of us in our own lives would begin to move to the blessable place where we acknowledge and take responsibility for the junk. We invite your spirit to work in our lives and help to, to change us. We trust you. We do what your word says. With heads bowed and eyes closed, maybe you're here today. And you, you've heard the word. Like we, we looked at some verses. You've, you've heard it. And it's time to do what it says. And the, the biggest challenge that you're facing in, in your life, what you know is your greatest need is to know God in a personal way. Your greatest need is, is to invite Jesus to come into your life, forgive your sin, and cleanse you. Give you a home in heaven after this life and his spirit to live inside you in this life. That's your greatest need. Are, are you going to just hear it and do nothing? That, that's worthless. It changes nothing. Are you going to step into faith today and say, yes, 
to the incredible gift that a loving God who invites you to call him Father offers. If you'd like to invite Jesus to come into your life today, I can't think of a better day or a better time. If you've never done that, I want to invite you to pray a very simple prayer. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. You can pray it out loud or you can pray it in the quietness of this moment. But if you want Jesus to be your Lord, you just pray this prayer. Dear God, I know that I need you. Jesus, please come into my life. Forgive me of my sin. Cleanse me. As best I know how, I surrender my life to you. Thank you for loving me. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us. If you just prayed that prayer, we would love to know it. You can text your name to 407-487-8311 and Pastor Byron will be praying for you this week. And also, we want to thank you for your faithful generosity. You can go to giveC3.cc or you can text C3 Orlando to 77977. Thank you so much for how you give. And if you are in Central Florida, please join us in person at our campus at 9.30 or 11 a.m. on Sunday mornings. Have a great week.